Almighty God, bless the reading and hearing of your word. Prepare us, Lord, for the journey that is before us. May your word lead us to peace, your presence give us hope, and your love give us joy as we trust in your ways. As your scriptures are read, as your word is heard, let the utterances of our mouths and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, by your Holy Spirit and your Holy Church. And let God's people say, Amen. Our first reading is from Isaiah, chapter 35, verses 1 through 10. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful, who are of a fearful heart, Be strong and do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance of terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. And the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom to the Lord shall return, and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Our second reading comes from Matthew, chapter 11, verses 2 through 11. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak at the crowds about John. What did you go into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, it's more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it was written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist, at the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So the word of God to the people of God. Thanks be to God. This week in our journey, we come to seeking joy. And we get two very different pictures of joy in our scripture readings. Isaiah is very much looking ahead to a time when everything is going to be better and describing all of the wonderful, joyful things that people will be able to experience. And it's very much looking forward and saying, this is going to be great, this is going to be fantastic. 
Our scripture reading from Matthew, on the other hand, starts with John in prison. And it's not a terribly joyful thing. But I think it's important that we recognize John being in prison as something that he would have no control over whether or not he was feeling joyful there. Because the circumstances would dictate that he was not in the best of places. And I think sometimes we miss that. Because sometimes we get so caught up in trying to figure out how to have joy and figuring out what to do that we paint joy as something that we are solely responsible for and if we're not finding it, it's our own fault and we must be doing something wrong. And I think sometimes we forget that we sometimes get into situations where joy is just hard to find. Because where we're at, joy is not right there easy to grab. And John's in one of those places. John overstepped where he could go. He preached a little too hard and he ran afoul of the authorities and got himself arrested. And so in John's quest, looking for something to be joyful about, he sends his disciples out. Because he's got a question. Are you the one? When I baptized you, I could swear you were the one. But I don't know what's going on now. And I need to know because it's going to bring me some comfort. It's going to bring me some joy. Are you the one that I had been telling people to wait for? Jesus doesn't give a yes-no reply. And I think because a yes-no reply would just be too simple. Because just saying yes, John may still have doubts. John might still wonder. He might still go, well, you know what, I, I know this should make me happy, but all he did was tell me yes, and I'm still not convinced. Jesus instead goes, go tell John this. Tell him about what you see. The blind are given sight. The deaf can hear. Lepers are cleansed. People are being healed. The poor are being given good news. Tell John that. Now, at first, that might not seem like much of an answer. But if we think back to what we heard in Isaiah, when Isaiah talks about all of those good things happening, when the Lord is going to rescue his people and strengthen them and lift them up, Isaiah says, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lepers will be cleansed. Those who had no joy will have reason to have joy. Jesus sends a clear message by saying, you know what you're expecting. You know what will happen, and it's happening now. And this would have brought John joy. Because it would mean that everything that he had said was happening. 
Now it's important also to note, having joy does not erase sadness. We often feel that one has to conquer the other, but both can be happening at the same time. Because I can fully imagine John sitting there in prison going, I am so excited this is happening, this is finally here. I knew it was happening. But at the same time, saying, and I wish I was out there to see it. Often in our quest of seeking joy, we think that joy is going to overwrite any sadness. That any good that we find will erase the bad, and that's not always how that works, because sometimes we have joy and sadness all jumbled up together. And when that happens, we don't know what to do with it. The thing is, is that that happens way more than we actually want to admit. Because sad things always do happen. No matter how much joy we find, there's also always going to be something that may bring us a little bit of sadness. No matter how happy and joyful a situation is in this life, there's likely always something that we can think of that might make us a little sad. And that's okay. Because the thing is, is that the joy is there to help us overcome those feelings, not erase them. It helps us to look past those problems, not wash them away. And joy is found in weird places. Just as people might have thought it odd for John to be finding joy while he was in prison, we find joy in unexpected places, just as we find unexpected joy in a child being born in a strange place, in a strange time, and troubling circumstances. Often when we're seeking joy, we get so caught up in the things that we think are supposed to be joyful that we don't take the time to look at things that actually may be bringing us joy. It's easy during this time of the year to get caught up in all the things that we're supposed to be doing. It's a time of lists, and it's a time of preparation. And though Advent is a time where we prepare our hearts for the coming of Christ into this world and into our lives, and we celebrate Christ coming yesterday, today, and coming in final victory. Advent's also a time where we are preparing lists, and we are preparing meals, and we are preparing to have guests, and we are preparing to be guests, and we are preparing to shop for lists, and preparing to make lists, and preparing to make sure that we get all of our Christmas cards sent out, and preparing for all sorts of things, to the point that sometimes... We get so caught up with how many things we have to do that the joy starts to slip away because we are so worried about getting everything done and everything taken care of. My solution to this isn't to give you a platitude and say joy can be found everywhere. My solution to this is to do new things.
in all of the planning and the hustle and the bustle, if you're having trouble finding joy, take time to volunteer somewhere new that you haven't been there before. Take time to talk to somebody that you've never talked to before. Take time to pick up something new at the supermarket so that you have a new food to try. Try out a new hobby that you've never tried before. And it may sound like a weird way to try to find joy. Well, it's something new, though. Isn't that just going to make me more anxious? Well, here's the thing. You may try a new food and find it's the worst thing that you ever put in your mouth, and you hope you never taste it again. But now you've got a story. And now you've got an experience. And now you've got something funny that you can share. Because you went and you thought you'd try this new thing, and you thought it might be good, and oh, it was awful. But there's something joyful about that experience. And what I'm reminded of around Christmas is that it's not so much the things, but it's the experiences that build joy in our hearts, and it's especially the things that we do together. When Isaiah talks about all the different joys, when he talks about things being built up, he doesn't talk about strengthening your own hands, he talks about strengthening everyone's hands. He doesn't talk about going out and proclaiming others, you be healed, He says, if you build each other up, the healing will come. When you strengthen each other, joy will be found among all. (coughs) We do it together because it brings us joy as a community. And a community helps to bring us joy because we're reminded that no matter what troubles we have, we don't face them alone. It gives us joy because it reminds us that we are put here together to do things together because everything that we have is a team effort. A baby was not born on Christmas Day that the baby would raise itself, that he'd grow up alone in the wilderness, walk out and say, here I am. No, he was raised by others taught by others and cared for by others. That he was baptized by others. That he could be lifted up, that he would lift up everyone. That's the joy of Christmas. That every time we start to feel low when we lift others up, they lift us up in return. That every time that we feel weak, if we strengthen someone else, all those people around us strengthen us and we become stronger together because we are stronger in Christ. Because we are bound together by an eternal love and an eternal hope and an eternal joy that gives us something more. And reminds us that even in the darkest of night, there is still a great light. That even in the coldest of winter, there is still heat. Even in the darkest despair, there is still joy. In this lifetime, we may not be able to wipe out all the darkness, We may not be able to wipe out all the despair. 
But it doesn't mean we shouldn't try. And we start by alleviating someone else's darkness. By being a light in someone else's story that others may be a light in ours. Because we never seek joy alone. Because in this journey, when we are seeking joy, we seek joy with each other and we seek joy with Christ at our side. In all that we are and all that we do. And we seek it because it makes us whole. That even in the worst of times, we know that God is with us. And we are reminded of that by God's children being part of our lives. So let us seek joy and let us share joy with each other in all that we are and all that we do. Amen.